Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of documenting your systems. Now, what's really interesting in entrepreneurial organizations is often to get started with a new risk-taking idea. It's all about innovation. It's all about doing something new. It's creating something new in the marketplace. It's getting new clients into your particular way of thinking and creating value for them in a new, innovative way. And then quite often, once you get some experience underneath your belt and, you know, you've done this for a little while, then all of the kind of facts and, you know, the specifics and and also some data, you know, you start to collect some data about what you've been doing. So that's kind of normal. But then eventually, and this is often the, the third and last thing to happen, is that you start to actually recognize that you have some systems and processes that are in existence or you need them to come into existence because at the beginning, you're just doing things. One day it's one way, another day it's a different way. And if different people are doing the role, they're doing things differently. And so you end up with this kind of hodgepodge of how things are happening. And that can be a real challenge, especially as you hire new team members and you're looking at training them on how to do something. And you're like, oh, well, Mary does it this way. Jonathan does it that way. Ravi does it that way. Hmm. I don't know what the right way is. (laughs) And you're like, "Uh uh-oh. The other big danger, and we learned this from a client whose specialty was business valuations. He said that most companies, all of their intellectual property walks out the door at the end of the workday. There really is no company. (laughs) (laughs) between the end of the workday, five or six o'clock, and the next morning. He said, when companies document their processes and know how things are done and lay them out clearly, and we were actually talking about our unique method tool at the time, which is a tool and coach for laying out graphically how things get done. It's really straightforward. I'll describe it to you in just a moment. He said, you've just doubled, if not tripled, the value of your company. So that's kind of the incentive I want to give you today is how can you increase the valuation of your organization, bring more consistency in. And if you're not someone for whom consistency is a fun, sexy word, for some people it is. And really being able to do things in a way that first time you make it up, second time you make it real, the next time you need to be able to make it recur in a consistently high quality way. And if that's not you, great. It's not me either. But there are people who are brilliant and talented at actually replicating processes, refining them, really making sure that any kind of thing that would subtract from productivity or profitability are taken out. If I'm doing a process three times, I'm going to do it differently every single time. Now that's just to keep myself interested and not bored, but that's not a great way to be predictable about something. For example, if I'm coaching a workshop, you know, one day I'll do it one way, another time I'll change it a little bit more. It's never exactly the same. But if I tried to train my other coaches on how to do it that way, they'd be like, hang on a second. You had this exercise in the morning one day and the next time you did it, you had it at the end of the day. Where does it belong? They're not, and do I necessarily want them innovating as much as I do? Probably not. So what we do is we really create a consistent approach for them. And that gives them incredible positive predictability on how to do it successfully and how to do it right. And they are brilliant at it. So it's interesting. I will create something one, two times. And after that, it gets passed on to someone else to refine it and make it better. And I really like our process that we talk about. There's the make it up, as I mentioned, the make it real and make it recur. Make it up, there's no money there. 
it's still in your imagination. Make it real. That's where some revenue comes in. But the make it recur people, the process people, that's where profit comes in. Me messing with things and changing it every time costs money. (laughs) So I'm really clear that I need to go be mucking around with new things, not changing the existing processes because they work. You know, just because it's more interesting for me to change it up doesn't mean it's actually better. And I have to tell you, that was a very hard won insight. So I wanted to make sure that I shared that with you. So the important thing here is to really start to think about, okay, do I want to bring more consistency of processes into my organization? How critical is that? And again, this is not just about you. This is about your other team members who are like, hmm, how come it's always changing? I'm not going to actually take action until I know what the right process is. A lot of people out there who don't want to do it wrong. They don't want to risk your wrath. They don't want to make a mistake. That's a normal human motivation. And we're not taking care of those people when we don't give them a consistent process to follow. So there's enormous value here in making sure that you structure and again, document those things. So in Coach, we have this awesome tool called Unique Method. And although it's not something I can publish as part of the podcast, I can describe it to you. I want you to imagine it's a graphic overview. So it's 12 boxes in a horseshoe shape. There are arrows that go and we happen to do it clockwise. So it starts on the right and ends up on the left. And in each box is what the particular task or activity is with the word who. So who is doing it? And if you have enjoyed any of Strategic Coaches communication podcasts, our, our awesome new quarterly book, Who Not How, then this will resonate with you. Who's the best person in the process to actually do that particular role? And probably it's not just you if you've been the one doing it the whole time. Other people are better at parts of it. So we use that to really graphically document it. Now, sometimes, you know, if it's like do a find in the database, well, that might have its own little sub unique method. There's a whole series of steps for that. I tend to like a combination. I use the unique method as the graphic overview. And then I tend to add other pages, often just simply lists of how to do that particular step. Because once it's mastered, you know how to do the find in the database and then you can go back to the rest of the unique method. But it's just so useful to really know what that process is. And I have to tell you, as soon as you sit down to document a process, you start to recognize all of the ways that it could be better. And so that's why there's a little improvement section in the middle of the horseshoe. So that's kind of fun. So we use it to document new processes that we're creating. And I will usually bring in people who I consider to be much superior to me in terms of knowing what steps need to happen. I tend to start and stop. I don't tend to see all the steps and I skip steps as people close to me will tell you. So I bring in people who are very conscious of every step of a process and they educate and inform me. In the Colby profile, if you're familiar with that, that's people with follow through and often some fact finder. I'm very short. My mental energy for those is to really simplify and adapt, not to document and to lay out and to arrange. I make sure I bring in other folks for that. So we use it to document brand new processes. I love using it to streamline existing processes and figure out new ways to do that. And as I mentioned for training, it is brilliant. There's nothing I like pretty much least than a policy and procedure manual that is a couple inches thick or, you know, multiple files on a computer where it's just words, 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 words with no white space. That's depressing. At least breaking it up with a graphic overview with some of the underlying detail underneath that that is much more appealing and much more interesting. It really is kind of a graphic checklist, which I love. By the way, as I'm talking about processes, please, I have this awesome book to recommend for you. It's called The Checklist Manifesto by Atul Gawande, A-T-U-L, 
and Gawande is G-A-W-A-N-D-E, and he is a World Health Organization doctor, and he explains why checklists, which I consider the unique method to be a checklist, are so vital for pilots and for reducing deaths in hospitals during surgery and aftercare. You know, his stories and examples are brilliant. He's not only a gifted surgeon, he's also a gifted writer. So I think that's a book that, first of all, I love it, and I'm not someone who is natural to processes. And the people with whom I've shared it who love processes also love the book. So it's just a short little book that will just kind of inspire you about the value of documenting and following processes, even by people who think they know better, like doctors. (laughs) So it's really kind of fun. So another organization that is really big on documenting processes is EOS. So EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System, which is started by Gina Wickman, longtime coach client. And one of the things that they really have as part of their two-year onboarding process for EOS is to document how your company does what it does. All of the, what we call backstage systems, what are they? Where do you start? What's next? What happens after that? And then, and this can kind of get updated depending on who's on your team at the moment, but who's the best person to actually be doing that? So at Coach, we've got Unique Method. EOS talks about the critical nature of that. And one company, another client of ours actually, who is talking about how he uses EOS. And he kind of tried to have each team take charge of creating their own unique processes for how they do things. And it kind of was a bit of a haphazard result. Everyone had their kind of day job. They didn't have time to write down how they did everything. So finally, he bit the bullet and got someone who had a lot of Colby Fact Finder amongst his other talents. So this guy just watches and observes how people do things. He writes it down, shares it with them. And as a, just by the very function of him doing that, the processes get better the company gets more efficient, it gets more effective, it gets more profitable. How cool is that? An entire person's role is simply to walk around and document the processes. And normally by the time he's done, it's time to start over again because things have changed. So keeping your processes current is another big deal. So we've done this several times at Coach. It's actually time for another redo of our documentation. And it's interesting, we ended up having over 400 unique methods. Again, when we told our client this, he said, well, you've just doubled or tripled the value of your organization. Because most times when something happens, or someone leaves the building, all their knowledge and information is left with them about how to run your company. So I found that a really intriguing thought. It's like, ooh, let's help people do that. But again, if it is not your jam, it's not if it's not your talent, if it's not your unique ability, then I trust me, there are people on your team right now, often people with initiating follow through, who actually are looking at how things are done and going, oh my gosh, it's so haphazard. I wish I could just write this down for people. That would be really helpful. They're having those secret thoughts. And if you you know, ask them, hey, is this something you'd be willing to take on? Is this a project you'd be willing to help with? If their eyes light up, grab them. Say, yes. Okay, good. Then let's get this project going. And this is actually one person that I am very close to. Her name is Julia Waller, my sister. And when she first started coach 20 plus years ago, she asked, oh, how do the coaches know what to coach? And we, at that point, were using overheads. This was a while ago. And basically how our training process for coaches went was coach would be in Dan's workshop as a participant and Dan would go, okay, how do you feel about the morning? And the coach would go, great. And then Dan would do the afternoon and Dan would ask the coach, how do you feel about the afternoon? And the coach, it was often our awesome coach, Russell, would say, great. And Dan goes, great, good to go. (laughs) And that was kind of it. And the binder of slides would go over and off Russell would go. 
Now, thankfully, Russell has all of his amazing skills and talents, and he has actually background as a teacher and professor. So he was incredibly talented at doing that. But when Julia showed up, she's like, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> I wonder how other people are going to do this. Her Colby, if you're intrigued, is 6833, which means she's a six in fact finder, eight in follow through, three quick start, three implementer. And she started just sitting in workshops and documenting what happened and then making notes about the conversations. And then that's actually what got passed on to the next coach. And the next coach went, wow, this is incredible. And Julie was a teacher. So she had coming up with curriculum was something fairly familiar to her. So that documenting process is actually how our entire coach resource team even started. And lists that Julia makes to this day are still in use 20 plus years later, the scheduling list and you know what happens in each workshop. So Julia came in and we were definitely a quick start fact finder company at that point. When I first brought her on board, she just started wandering around documenting the systems, which created enormous value because then not only we knew what we were doing and then we knew what we were doing, which kind of gave us a whole new boost of confidence. So again, there are naturally talented people out there in your company or close by in your network that are kind of dying to get their hands on what you're doing. And again, this is a normal phase of business. So, you know, when companies first get started, you're just meeting clients' needs, answering the phone, doing outreach, you know, you're just making business happen and you're kind of creating new things in front of you. You're not looking behind you to see, okay, what's the most orderly, organized way to do that? That would be weird if you did that. In that case, you probably wouldn't be making any money. So it's all good the way you're doing it. But the longer you're in business, the more team members you're bringing on board. And I know companies that have been in business for decades that still do not have their backstage processes organized and they are feeling the drag. It really does cause drag because there's confusion. People are conflicted. You know, one person does it one way, another person does it a different way. And they're like, hmm, what's the right way? But then they kind of are territorial about it. They don't let go. So, and we have a, the previous podcast is actually where we talk about that in some depth. So you kind of need to coach them on the whole value of making it an ongoing process. And part of what you reward is write down how you're doing it. When you are starting a new process, let's lay that out, see what happens, get people in a room together. Hey, what's the best way we can make this happen? Or how can we make something better? And then really use that information when you have new people come on board. And let me tell you, if you want to onboard people faster, give them unique method or equivalent, and they'll be like, oh, thank you. They're trying not to mess up. They don't want to screw up this opportunity that they've been given. But sometimes we just throw them in the deep end. We're like, okay, I hope you know the breaststroke. They're like, what? And they're kind of like treading water. But really those tools, the ways when you have a documented process, just give people the recipe for success. And it's never static. I always look for processes that are 80% consistent and 20% flexible. That's my personal 80-20 rule applied to processes because you want to be able to have some consistency. And if you're familiar at all with the term ISO 9000, it's the International Organization of Standards, which in colloquial terms is ISO. And what they've really done there is put in place quality standards and quality assurance, especially for manufacturing processes, but it has some other implications as well. Now, that's kind of the much more bureaucratic way of looking at, or corporate, I should say, way of looking at things. But we can kind of borrow a little bit from that. There are parts of our business that we don't want to get rigid. We don't want them to necessarily get to the bureaucratic level, but they definitely can be much more consistent. And I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of quality. I like things being done well and being done right, it really annoys me when we used to do it better than we're doing it now. 
there's just something wrong <laughs> with that particular picture. So if it used to be happening really well, but between, you know, turnover to different people and new team members and the original person's gone and it's not happening as well as it used to, then that's a time you definitely need to lay out the process. And again, that just means that someone didn't have the right tool or didn't have things written down to be able to make sure that your quality stays high, both front and backstage. If you're committed to just providing phenomenal customer service and taking care of your clients really, really well, and having things be better backstage for your team so that they can be successful and be winning, then this is why you want to do this. Again, it's a little bit of a mindset shift away from just creating new business. It means taking care of things once it comes in to make sure it's systematic in a good way, not rigid, not stuck, not inert. But how are you putting some form around all of this amazing work that you're doing? How can you make sure that it's consistent? And once you do that, you've really packaged up your intellectual property. And now it's available to be made as intellectual capital, which is useful for your team. But I know people, in fact, one of our awesome client, Sherry, who just knows how to run a particular type of business in her industry. Now she has a self-managing company run by her brilliant daughter, Laura, but now she's going coaching other companies on how to run their businesses better. Well, how cool is that? You know, and what she's sharing is what are some of the processes and their systems and their technologies and the mindsets that she's used to have her company be so successful. And now she's sharing that with others. So there's gold in them, our hills. It's kind of what I want to tell you about that. There's incredible value in you packaging up not only what you're doing for your clients, but also backstage, because when you know how to do something really, really well, a coach knows how to put on 500 workshops a year in eight different cities, not including where we go offsite to other locations and onsites and speeches and other events. Well, that's a heck of a capability. Do you know how many unique methods it takes to actually do that? 150. There's a lot, you know, how to put a binder together, how printing happens, how fines happen, how mailings happen, how renewal letters go out. There are unique processes and methods for all of those things. But again, if it was haphazard, and if you happen to be a client and coach, then mm, that would not be a great experience for you. There's no way we could have expanded and grown to different cities and have different offices and people working in different locations unless we actually knew what we were doing in the form of really documenting our processes. So I hope this has inspired you. I know not again, you don't need to go all corporate, but just really putting some form and structure around what you do already so well, or if you're already doing it somewhat kind of upping your game in terms of, I mean, the word documenting sounds so unsexy to me, but you know, just packaging your processes, both front and backstage is incredibly valuable. You'll gain so much confidence going, oh, we know how to do that. We know how to do it consistently. We know how to do it well. That's a pretty phenomenal feeling to have. That's a great capability to have. So that may be the next phase of your entrepreneurial growth. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a team leader listening, if you're a team member listening, please do your part to make sure that this happens. You may have the talent to do it. You may have the mindset to make sure it happens. You may have the time to make sure that you can start to encourage other people to write down what they do so well. And don't withhold information. Don't be stingy in terms of writing down what you know how to do so well. This is valuable information that increases your value because you figured it out and also helps to increase the value of your company. Again, I hope this has been inspiring for you. If you have any questions or comments, please let me know at questionsastrategicoach.com. And as always, here's to your team success. The Team Success video series is a brand new online learning platform to give your team the tools to thrive in an entrepreneurial business. 
Whether you have five team members or 500, Shannon Waller provides expert strategies for confidence, harmony, and success. You're just one click away at teamsuccessvideoseries.com.